Good evening everyone, welcome to our live broadcast. Tonight we're looking at Anguttara Nikaya Book of Fours and Suttas one, uh, 161 and 162. These are the four types of practice. An important and well-known classification of practice based on two, two criteria. So we have four types of practice. Dukkha, Patipada, Dandha, Binya. Practice which is painful and gives realization slowly. Number two, Dukkha, Patipata, Kipa, Binya. Practice which is painful but brings realization quickly. Number three, Sukha, Patipata, Dandha, Binya. Practice which is pleasant but brings realization slowly. And number four, sukha patipada kipa binya. Practice which is pleasant and brings realization quickly. Ima ko bhikkhu chattaso patipada. These monks are the four types of practice. That's 161, simple. I might think, well, there's not much to that, but in and of itself that gives what that gives the important lesson of this that our progress in in cultivating understanding is independent of our enjoyment of meditation it's independent of whether meditation is painful or pleasant that's the important lesson here it's a lesson which you often have to learn the hard way going through different types of practice where it's pleasant but you're not gaining anything until you finally realize and learn to let go of your pleasant sensations and then going through unpleasant meditation and feeling discouraged because you feel like you're not getting anywhere or you're, you feel like it, it, it's a sign that your practice is failing until you finally realize, well, there's nothing to do with that and actually I'm learning a lot and of course the other two. Sometimes it can be pleasant and and you can learn a lot. Sometimes it can be unpleasant and you don't learn anything. You just suffer. When we go back and forth between these types of practice, generally there's a sense that a person is is mostly practicing one or the other. And that's where 162 comes in. 162 gives us a little bit more detail about uh, one way of understanding these four types of practice. So, uh, a person who is has a painful practice and slow realization, well, there's two factors here as well. The first one is they have tibharagajatika. They are a person who is of a nature whose nature is to have very uh, sharp 
um, strong lust, like uh, acute lust. Um, Right, and because of because of that acute lust, they suffer. They experience bodily and mental suffering. So, person who has lust, it's a fever in the body. It can actually um, cause great stress and and sickness when you want things that you can't get. And in the mind as well, the anguish from not getting what you want, from having wanting and going through withdrawal whenever you don't get it, whenever you can't get it when you want to get it. And likewise, one has is tiba dosa jatika. One is of a nature to have acute anger. And because of that, acute anger, likewise, they often experience dosa jang. They experience physical and mental suffering that is born of dosa, abhikanang, often. So anger is, is even easier to see. Anger is in and of itself a type of anguish. and So much stress and suffering physically and mentally comes from anger. And likewise with moha, tiba moha jatiko, so with acute delusion, and as a result of that delusion, they suffer physically and mentally. Delusion puffs you up, it gives you headaches, it gives you tension in the body when you worry and stress about things, when you think too much about things, obsess, it's all delusion based. Based on misunderstanding, we hurt our bodies, we hurt our minds. So that's um, that's the suffering. That's where suffering comes from. It comes from these three things: mohajang, uh, ragajang, dosajang, mohajang, born of lust, anger, and delusion. But that pain that comes from those defilements is independent, to some extent, independent of progress one makes. Because when one puts one mi one's mind to something, well, whether one puts one's mind to something, that's what's important. So that's the other factor here. Here we have someone who has slow realization. Well, it's not because of the pain that they're feeling. It's because panchindriyani muduni patubhavanti. Their five faculties uh, uh, come become manifest or manifest themselves weekly. Weekly, not weekly per week, but in a weak way, mudu, are manifested as mild. So this means confidence. They have very weak confidence, shaky confidence. Virya, effort. They have, they're not very effortful, lazy. Satindriya, not very mindful. Their ability to remember themselves, to stay recollecting the present moment is not very good. 
often lost in the past and future. And samadhi, they have no concentration or weak concentration. They're distracted a lot. And panyindriya, they have not so, not so much wisdom. They're not able to see things clearly. It's because of these that one's realization is slow. And this is clear. I mean, a person who has not much confidence, well, think of a person who has not much confidence. They, they're not able to accomplish anything. This we know in the world. But it's even doubly important as a meditator, looking at the mind. If you don't have the confidence. If you don't have confidence in yourself, you never get anywhere. If you're a person who doubts all the time, that's a reason why your practice might be going slowly. You have to realize I'm... I'm full of doubt and this isn't useful for me, this isn't workable and so you learn to let go of the doubt, saying for example doubting, doubting and we, yeah, you recognize that you're somewhat lazy and you give up your laziness sati you learn how to be mindful and that's what we're doing in the meditation but you cultivate better and more acute mindfulness concentration you try to focus your mind you need effort but you also need concentration so concentration means bringing your mind back again and again to the present moment focusing on what's here what's now and wisdom try to see things clearly not just walk and say stepping right so actually be aware this is stepping right see it see the nature of it arising and ceasing So those are the two factors, and so the other three are, are based on that. A person with painful practice of quick wisdom, well, they've s still got lots of pain and suffering from their defilements, but they're able to remove them quickly because of their sharp faculties. So they apply their mental faculties, which they've never applied before, and, and they're therefore suffer. And they attain quick, quick realization. A person who has pleasant practice but slow realization this would be a person who's done a lot of good deeds and, and has, has cultivated wholesome mind states so they aren't obsessed with lust, anger, delusion but their practice is slow because they are not applying their faculties They're not cultivating their faculties perhaps their faculties have become weakened and finally a person whose practice is pleasant and quick quick realization pleasant because again they are um, not obsessed not consumed by lust, anger and delusion and likewise their faculties are sharp they have confidence they have effort they have mindfulness they have concentration they have wisdom and so they're quickly able to realize the truth four types of practice you want to know about whether your practice is stagnating whether why it might be that your practice is not progressing quickly as quickly as you'd like well, these are the reasons it's nothing to do with the happiness or suffering you gain
Okay, I just set up another camera. I want you to look at this guy. This he just finished his course. I'm putting him on display. Look at how quietly he sits there. He's been practicing ardently for the past four days and nights. He's been practicing quite strenuously. Quite different from before when they were all fidgeting, no? Alexander, come and say something, please. Without talking about the details of your practice, can you just say something about what you feel you've gained from it? Or how, how, how you feel improved by it? My clearness of... Uh um, seeing things as this. Hold the mic up. Like this. Uh, seeing pain. Uh, it's just pain. It's not my pain. Something that rises and ceases. And just don't run away from it. Are you happy after all this? Yeah. yeah. Didn't make you miserable. I felt like I learned a lot. Mm. I'm very happy about this. Good. Okay. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Alexander, he's from Norway, I think. So, hello everyone. Do we have questions tonight? Assuming we do. We do. Okay. Sadhu to Alexander. Got one more in the basement still. He's just finishing up tonight. I'm realizing a change in some of my noting approach, so wanted to clarify it if it's correct instead of assuming it is. With pain as an example, true for feeling, etc. too, first I used to note pain as a general sense. Now if I put in more effort and really go to the source, it gets to a single point of pain which magically disappears before I can truly get to it and get another point arising, ceasing, until all points fade. Question is, should one put in this extra effort versus keeping it general, keeping it at a general sense of pain at an overall level? Thank you. Um, I don't know that either is, is absolutely proper. It sounds like you're 
uh, two extremes there. You should be aware of pain locally at, at one specific pain, but I wouldn't put too much effort into trying to pinpoint it down to a single point. You know, if you have pain in your head, you focus on your head and say pain, pain. If you have pain in your leg, you'd say focus on the leg and say pain, but you don't have to find a specific point because you're altering it when you do that. It's not what we want. That's it's uh, going too far, I think. Today I worked eight hours on five hours sleep. When meditating in the afternoon, coming close to the end of the 30 minutes, I felt my head bob down and felt myself falling asleep. I was angry that I wasn't mindful like other times in my meditation. Do I just accept this rather than trying to find a trick to stop, to a trick from stopping myself from dozing off? Well, there are some tricks, but yeah, if you've been haven't been sleeping enough or if you've been working too hard probably going to fall asleep no matter what trick you find um, a clarification that you know it doesn't sound like you weren't being mindful well, you probably weren't being mindful either but it's not because of mindful lack of mindfulness that you're falling asleep mindfulness would be acknowledging tired tired even if you do fall asleep or when you wake up it would be acknowledging knowing knowing when you're angry well that's a sign you're not mindful the anger itself is not mindful. It's important to be careful that you don't misunderstand what is meant by the word mindfulness. Mindfulness means to know something as it is. It doesn't have anything to do with whether you're falling asleep or not. Not directly. Um, so so don't, don't certainly don't fuss too much about anything else. But absolutely, when, when, when you're fussing, you're no longer mindful. So when you're angry, you should say to yourself, angry, angry. There's no accepting either. It's another problem. I would say don't don't use the word accept. You um, acknowledge. I mean, it's a bit maybe a bit nitpicky, but I don't like to use the word accept because there's no state in the world that we should ever accept, but we should not cling to. So we kind of reject actually. We reject everything in the, in the sense of not buying into it. So it's almost like accepting. I, you know, you know, that's why I say it might be nitpicky. I don't like that word, I guess, um, because accept implies complacency. You're not being you don't want to fall into complacency. You want to improve yourself, but improve yourself by by being more rejecting uh, you know, in terms of not getting caught up in it. Okay, so I fell asleep. I'm not going to let that get to me, kind of thing. I'm not going to let that trip me up. So as soon as you're conscious again, you'll say knowing, knowing, and come back to you. rising, falling, or whatever. In one video I've watched about mindfulness on YouTube, the speaker said that thoughts arising in our heads are only as much of something we own as the sounds we hear from other objects walking down the street. Would you say that's an accurate way to put it? Thank you. I don't understand. Okay. Only as much. It's an awkward way of phrasing it. So, sounds we hear. Sounds we hear are, um, are not ours. 
and neither are the thoughts. So I, I kind of get it. It's the idea that thoughts are just another object of the sense. Thoughts are like sounds. Sounds are a sense at the ear door. Uh, thoughts are, are sense material at the mind door. And technically that's the case, but or not technically, but, but uh, roughly speaking, that, that that's one way of, of understanding it, and it's true. That being said, there is a difference between thoughts and sounds. Thoughts are qualitatively different. They have different qualities to them. And the Abhidhamma talks about that, but it's not, I guess for all intents and purposes, practically speaking, yes, they're just another object of the sense. And right, as far as being ours, neither one of them is ours. We don't own either of them. I mean, the point is, you should never think of, the, of owning them. And, and the more you think about them as being yours, the more entangled you become with them, trying to control them, trying to fix them, both with sounds and with thoughts. Does your tradition believe in the dark night of the soul? If so, why does this happen, and how do we escape it? No, we don't. When I go from awareness of an object to thinking about it, I lose what the object is. Anything described in thought is no longer what it is. Concepts are built from thought, so they are farther from the truth. Reality is only observed before thought. Do your teachings and meditation help people remain in the reality that I am discussing? Yeah, well, concepts are far from reality, but thoughts are real. This is what you have to you have to you have to admit, or you have to accept that you have an object, and that that ex the the experience of that object is a real experience. So you suppose you feel um, the, the, the seat that you're sitting on. Well, that feeling is real. I mean, insofar as anything can be real, that's pretty clearly the closest you're going to get or, or the most clearly real thing you're going to get. But then suppose you start thinking about that feeling. Well, yes, you've lost the reality of the feeling. You're no longer involved with that. but there's a new reality, and that's the thought. So the thought becomes a thought of a concept, but the thought itself is real. So as far as our tradition, yes, our tradition is absolutely about remaining in the reality. That's why we use this word, like a mantra. The mantra keeps us focused on reality. When you say to yourself, feeling, feeling, it keeps your mind focused on reality. So that your thoughts are about the object. Your awareness is on the reality. When you're thinking, you would say to yourself, thinking, thinking. So you're able to stay aware of thinking just as thinking. Do you agree that many questions we ask you will stop once we understand your reference frame? I don't think a lot of questions are within your school of teachings. I think we will progress in the meditation you teach and question you better once we remain in this reference frame where everything is arising and ceasing. More, more, I would, I would more say 
the more you practice, the fewer questions you have. Which is why I sometimes discourage people who ask lots of questions, because it's a sign that they're not really meditating, most likely. You know what we don't have here, I don't think. It doesn't tell us who has meditated. If you go to the chat, it does. But we haven't added, they haven't added that yet. If you go to the chat, you see people with a green ring around them. Those are the meditators. Yeah. But we don't have that in Ask. Of course, some of these questions are hours old, so kind of yeah. may not work. Bhante, I experienced something with LSD that may have benefited me while meditating. I learned something out of that experience. I feel like I shouldn't be taking it or any other intoxicant anymore. I'm divided about selling, giving, or throwing away the rest I possess of LSD. Please be my guide in this. You wouldn't want to sell or give it away because it's considered to be a problematic thing. There's you can learn things from LSD, from from psilocybin, from hey maybe ecstasy or ketamine. Is that? I mean you can learn from anything. You can learn from uh, hitting yourself over the head with a bat. You know you can learn from all sorts of things. Doesn't mean they're actually uh, the sum of of their results is positive. Usually the sum of these the results of these things is negative the problems that come from them so if you're in the mind to think to under I would say I mean, I've never taken LSD so I actually can't comment exactly but except for that that um, well as I've commented before about drugs is that it's it's not it's not real it's a crutch and it's like a, f a cheat you know and you can't cheat in this. It's too real. It's real that the, the it's so real that the act of cheating actually sullies it because you're cheating. You're not you know, the, the cheating changes you. If you cheat on something. So trying to, to get something from a from a a, a tablet of or a what do you call them, what do you call them tab? I don't know. Of L S D. Um is, is laziness it's so that, that that in and of itself is a bad thing whether or not the drug trip is is at all beneficial or, or harmful so from the get go any anything like that even if it's thought of as being for the purpose of spiritual enlightenment you don't have to even debate whether it does bring spiritual enlightenment because you're already being lazy which was the biggest problem I had with drugs even before I was meditating so I found them to be artificial. It wasn't real. It wasn't really me doing it. You know, it wasn't through the sweat of my brow. It was just some dumb drug. So I'd throw them away. That's what I'd do. Flush them. They'll feel better. No, don't flush them. They'll get into the water supply. Uh, mm, mm, mm. Burn them? Yeah, I'm not sure. Probably burn them. Yeah, well, know what what would be a safe way I think there's some um, like medicine collections Cause I try to keep those things out of the I've never uh, even seen LSD I thought it was just a little piece they put in paper it's just like I don't think it's that much I don't know it's funny I've never seen I don't think I've ever seen LSD to look up 
recycling of uh, LSD. Burn it a bit. Yes, I. Pardon me. As I become more mindful, I've noticed I slip into lucid dreaming more frequently. I've tried meditating in this lucid state and was unable to find my breath uprising and falling. What's the best way to deal with lucid dreaming in order to further my practice? I mean, I wouldn't encourage lucid dreaming. I wouldn't concern myself much with it. Might be a time where you want to tell yourself to wake up. If you're going to be awake sleeping, you might as well be awake awake, and, and you can actually meditate. Yeah. I mean, lucid dreaming is not my cup of tea. I wouldn't. I would think that through the practice, eventually you dream you dream less. That's sort of the what we tend to notice. I wonder if you could meditate in a lucid dream. People have asked that before, and it doesn't mm. sound like it. I have just found that if I go slowly enough and concentrate in both walking and sitting meditation, I can catch any thinking before I've moved on to the next object. Is this concentration, this intention, wa watching to catch thoughts, correct practice? Probably not. Sounds like you might be going slow to make it easier. We want it to be challenging, remember? And this sounds like you're probably cultivating a trick, you know, a shortcut, a cheat. Don't cheat. Don't go too slow. And don't concentrate too much. Just try and be mindful. Otherwise you're controlling it. And it makes it easy, but also quite stressful because you have to work hard at that and you can't maintain it. You want it to feel natural. It shouldn't feel slow, it shouldn't feel fast, it shouldn't feel forced or focused. It should just feel real. Speaking of cheats, yeah, let's go for this one. Hello, Bhante. Is it okay to use is isolation tanks for meditation? Sure. If you if you like avoiding problems in order to solve them. No, it's not okay. It's the worst kind of cheating ever. All of our problems come from these things. If you don't allow them to arise, how can you fix them? Hi Bhante. How does a meditator prevent losing the wisdom gained through meditation? Keep meditating until you become enlightened. Once you become enlightened, the wisdom will never go. That's it. I mean, surround yourself with people who are also meditating, also wise. Read books. Um, do good deeds, help others, be kind, be moral. There's lots of things that protect you. Practice loving kindness, practice mindfulness of death. There's lots of things that protect your wisdom. It's a good question. It's really an important question, I suppose. And you're all caught up on questions now. All right. And I guess that's it. Thank you, Robin, for your help. Thanks, everyone, for your questions.
Have a good night. Thank you, Bhante. Good night.